if she truly feels scorned, just gossip with your friends about it. Why do you have to turn it into an internet spectacle? Just show them the raw video, show your friends and family the raw video and say, can you believe this shit? That's what we would do. Yeah. We would just talk about it on here. It's like, so you guys will never believe what happened to me when I went to get coffee with Andrew. We wouldn't put up (laughs) pictures and be like, look at this bitch. Look at this bitch. Rabbit, rabbit, and welcome to Millennial, the home of pretend adulting and real talk. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Pam and I had an exciting Friday last Friday. We saw each other <gasps> for the first time since pre-pandemic times. Wow. When was the year, Pam? Do you know? Do you remember when we last saw I each other? I have no idea, but it had to have been before you left LA. So when did you leave LA? early 2017 so it's probably so it been must about have been 2017 <laughs> i was up in the bay area for a wedding congratulations to fandom icons as i said on instagram john and Bree. john <laughs> was a uh one of the people running the leaky cauldron and pottercast and they got married finally after a very long time so i was near pam i said pam yo head up the 101 let's hang out he said it exactly like that, too, by the way, in case anyone's curious. <laughs> Come on up the 101. Yeah. So uh, we got coffee. And I swear to God, I didn't plan it this way. But the place had a variety of bagels and bagel sandwiches, which is just my bread and butter or bagel and butter. And uh, we had a good time. Right, Pam? It was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew, let me get a shot of espresso and a drip cup of coffee. So my day was made. <laughs> Let you. Pam was like, (laughs) Pam was like, hmm, do I get a drip coffee or espresso? I'm like, Pam, fucking do both. We're putting it on uh, Millennial. Who cares? It's like a deconstructed red eye, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We spent a whopping $34 at breakfast that morning. Oh my God. It was pretty good. The show's bankrupt now. (laughs) Why would you do that? Well, I looked at the bill and I was disappointed. I was like, only $34 we spent? Like, I looked at it the next day when I was reimbursing the show. I was. That's including refills. Yeah, my (laughs) $1.50 refill or something. Good time. The reason I was shocked that it was such a small bill is because normally, you know, like, I guess with Pam, we I've done this previously too, but Laura, like when we go out, we're going out for drinks or something, and those add up quick. It's a hundred dollar bill or something. Well, <laughs> I think the difference is Pam made you take her out for coffee, which is a very reasonable request. When I get together with you, I'm like alcohol now <laughs> andrew picked the place and made all the plans and the time yeah. yeah i was trying to pick a time that wouldn't conflict with uh wedding festivities yeah i was also trying to be very courteous of his schedule because you know he had plans so but it worked out really well yeah and we took a picture together of course so cute we almost forgot we really did yeah. almost forget <laughs> and then posted it on social media the feedback was quite glowing i mean literally dream lunch date duo from will that's so sweet love to see it looking happy love to see them this makes me so happy uh shane said uh do this every first monday of the month or something like that because we posted it on a monday i was like wow it's because we posted it on met gala day so the first monday of may is met gala day every year Ah, okay, that makes sense. Jackie said, this is our Super Bowl. 
Wow. Wow. Rave reviews. Ringing endorsements here. Best $34 (laughs) ever spent, I would say. I feel like it's a return investment. Yes. So if you want to see that photo, uh, you can check it out on social media. We are a millennial show on uh, most places and then TikTok where it's not posted, but you should follow it anyway. We're a millennial pod. Wanted to also update people quickly. The Hollywood writers strike began on uh, Monday night going into Tuesday. So that's been the talk of the Internet today, Tuesday, the day that we are recording the first writer's strike, I don't know if Pam mentioned this when we were talking about it a couple weeks ago, but that one lasted, I mean, the one in 2007, that one lasted exactly 100 days. So the clock is now ticking, and it'll be interesting to see how long this one lasts. It doesn't seem like they are close to an agreement. I saw the comparisons of what um, the writer's guilds are asking for and what um, how the, uh, what's the group, Pam, do you know? The WGA? That, no, no, but the other side. Oh, the AMPTP? The AMTPABCD, uh, the disagreements <laughs> there, and they aren't aligning very much at all right now. The WGA proposed, quote, regulate use of artificial intelligence on MBA covered projects. AI can't write or rewrite literary material, can't be used as source material, and MBA covered material can't be used to train AI. So basically, the Writers Guild says we don't want AI at all protect us. So because otherwise writers could be fired in favor of using AI and the studios rejected the proposal just flatly. They said no. So that's just one small piece of the disagreements wow. going on right now. Tell the yeah. writers what you had planned without telling the writers what you had planned. <laughs> right. Yep. I kind of hope that it it creates a trickle down effect for other creative unions to fight against AI. And use that as a bargaining chip because it really is kind of a slap in the face. I mean, obviously, you can use AI to generate something small, but it's never going to be as fleshed out as, you know, using a human. Yeah, exactly. I also saw this story. House of the Dragon Season 2 continues to film. (laughs) Variety wrote a shitty headline. House of the Dragon Season 2 continues to film amid writer's strike. All scripts were finished. And Twitter took hold of this headline. I'm going to quote a tweet now from Rob Foreman. As Variety well knows, as one of the premier industry trade publications, rewrites are never needed over the course of production. That was sarcasm. Big productions like this get rewrites on set a lot of time. So now House of the Dragon is filming. And if rewrites need to occur, they aren't technically allowed to happen. There's also just nobody there to, um, you know, specify or elaborate on what a character is really thinking or how a certain line might tie into foreshadowing, you know, episodes coming up. In a lot of times, writers are the ones that are clarifying that motivation for actors that are portraying these characters, Obviously, a director could do that to some extent, but not in the way that the person who's really navigating the story really can. So, I mean, every it, everything is affected. And I saw a lot of people tweeting about this, too. Um, and it begs repeating that everybody that lived through the first writer's strike and that was an avid watcher of at least one show can probably tell you which season was the worst of their favorite show. Because the writing significantly slipped in some way or the other. And I think that we're going to see that as a result of this 
I was going to ask you, Pam, and I I think you might have answered the question, but who does the responsibility fall to on set in the absence of writers? Is it the director? It would have to be the director and maybe some producers that might be on site, but it it would definitely be, yeah, the director. Yeah. Because there's, there's no writer on site. And to Andrew's point, they can't change the scene because there's not enough knowledge there to do that and potentially risk um, hurting the arc that is at stake. So, And I think you would be crossing the picket line, technically. Technically, mm. yes. Yeah, there's already Good been point. some talk about that with regards to late night, which I know we, we spoke about how late night would be the first to really kind of feel the sting. And I've, I've already seen reports of like, Jimmy Fallon not being present and, yeah. you know, updates, but then Seth Meyers pledging to try and pay the staff that he's going to keep on as long as he can. So it's it's day one and we're already seeing those talks. So they are all off air this week. It'll be very, very interesting to see how long this goes for. Like I said, the last one was 100 days. I think it's fair to say that no matter uh, what side you're on, of course, all our listeners, I'm sure, are on the side of uh, the writers, but nobody wants this strike because the writers aren't going Mm -hmm. to be paid either. There's a trickle down effect there, too. I mean, this affects everybody involved with the productions. It's just it's bad news for Hollywood. Yeah. But also these studios are greedy motherfuckers and they need to be put in their place. So it's really tough. One one other thing I I will say is that it's especially tough with the way that streaming operates in their business model, because as everybody who's been a fan of any Netflix entity knows that the jury's always out as to whether your favorite series is going to get renewed. And I have a feeling that we're going to see a lot of shows get canceled um, as a result of the strike, just purely based on their business model. And I I just want people that are fans of the thing to keep in mind that it's not the the writers who are striking that are the the fault. They're bearing the fault of, you know, their show getting canceled. It's really these streaming sites that are getting super greedy and don't want to um, bend to some really um, the demands that are being asked for are not super extreme. And so it's really uh, disheartening to see that these uh, production companies aren't meeting writers halfway, basically at all. For more on the strike, you can go back uh, two episodes to episode 914. And Pam breaks down what exactly they're looking for and why this has turned into such a big problem. So in some other news, there have been a recent string of high-profile stories um, showing people shooting innocent people outside of their house. And it just really highlights how paranoid people are in their own neighborhoods. Just to run through a few of the stories that we've seen just in the last two, maybe three weeks, a man was charged with murder in a shooting of a woman who went up the wrong driveway. The woman who was killed and the three friends she was with never got out of the car. They were turning around after realizing their error when the man stepped out of his house in uh, Hebron, New York, and fired at least two shots at the car. There was another story, Ralph Yarl. Uh, this was a 16-year-old. He was try- is a 16-year-old. He was trying to pick up his younger siblings but went to the wrong house where he was shot twice. He did survive. There was another story. A Florida man shot at a car with two people after they went to the wrong address trying to deliver an Instacart order. 
And just this week, this tweet went viral showing a meteorologist, not on a news channel, but just like a meteorologist, threatening to shoot a girl simply because she rang his doorbell. And this guy posted this threatening message on Facebook. He said, a child just rang my doorbell. Folks, you do not ring doorbells in 2023. My six was loaded. Keep your kids away. If that brat rings my doorbell again tomorrow, I will call the police. She was looking for her kitten. I warned her I might pull her hair if they rang my doorbell again. Just batshit crazy responses to totally innocent people. I wanted to talk about what is driving the neighbor paranoia. Because it doesn't seem to be an actual increase in crime, as we'll talk about later. Um, But there's probably several things we can point to. First of all, my main theory are these easy-to-install home security systems. I have Ring. Laura, I think you have Ring. Yep. Pam, do you have a home security system? I don't. It kind of The idea of it kind of stresses me out, honestly. I don't think I'm going to be one of these That's crazy fair. paranoia people, but I just think that it, it breeds um, paranoia for sure. You didn't install one prior to my visiting. That means a lot. I know. I should have. <laughs> if I could take it back, I would. <laughs> Didn't you hear I have a drone? (laughs) See, Andrew, I installed mine like two years ago, just in case. (laughs) I probably said some batshit thing on the show. I was joking. Or was I? So yeah, Ring It's and these others, they're very easy and affordable for homeowners to install. You can add cameras around your house. I have added a couple cameras outside of my house for one reason in particular that I'll share in a little bit. Um, But I think the cameras are the main problem. You put cameras maybe inside your home, but also outside of your home. And it makes you increasingly paranoid because these cameras can notify you and record every time someone walks in front of your house. So then you add these to the front of your house, let's say, and then suddenly you're seeing people walk by who you never saw before because you're not constantly staring outside. And this, I kind of had this experience. I saw people coming at all hours of the day, walking by the front, I mean. And I'm like, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? But I'm also not psycho. So I know I'm not like going out and buying a gun because I'm afraid of these people who are walking by maybe daily or just weekly or maybe just once a month. To that point, I have family members who have, um, I don't know if they have ring specifically, but I know they have motion sensor security cameras. And to be fair, they live in a, tougher neighborhood. So I get the desire to have those things set up, but they will just watch the security cameras for fun. And I think that that is a slippery slope. I know that I also, you know, I grow uh, dahlias outside the, the front part of my house and people stop all the time to look at the dahlias when they're in bloom. But I could see somebody that is not connecting why people are stopping to like, look at the pretty flowers that has security, then become increasingly paranoid thinking that somebody is just trying to scope out the house so they can break in. Yeah, I will say on this, I have a ring doorbell. And um, I noticed when we first installed it, that it was automatically defaulted to send me a notification. Anytime there was movement outside, I very quickly went and turned this setting off It's very easy to do, and I highly recommend doing it. There's really no reason 
unless you have a particular circumstance at play that maybe I don't understand. Um, there's really no reason to get a constant stream of alerts. What was happening to me was I was getting an alert like every fucking 15 minutes that something happened outside. And it made me nervous for no good reason because there was nothing bad happening. Um, So I definitely recommend turning this off. And, you know, obviously having your notifications on for if somebody's ringing your bell, for example, um, you know, that's a good idea. But I think that you really can find yourself in a slippery slope situation like what Pam mentioned. If you're looking at your notifications every time somebody walks by or a squirrel farts outside your front door or something, (laughs) it's just not it's not any way to live. I will say, though, I have been that person to watch the live view of my (laughs) ring when there's drama happening outside. Yeah, that makes sense, because if you can hear it. Yeah. There's a story there. I might share it in After Dark sometime, but there was like some um there was some drama in my building several months ago and me and Mark were just sitting there on Eating our phones popcorn watching on the, couch, the camera <laughs> watching it unfold. <laughs> Do your neighbors have security cameras though because I definitely have some neighbors that have multiple security cameras. Yes. That are like basically facing every which way. So I think part of the reason why I also don't feel the need to install one is that I feel like if anything ever happened on my driveway or at my front door, someone else's security camera is going to catch the footage. Right. Yeah. Um. I've got a couple neighbors on my street just basically right next door to me. They've got two cameras out front facing different angles, both out towards the street. It's not like one's looking around the side of the house. Right. And I'm like, that is such overkill. You, your house looks like a prison with two cameras. And I these know. aren't big properties. These homes are close together. There's a house near me that has like five and just <laughs> out, and, and to your point, all facing out. Yeah. Yeah. In different directions. They're getting every angle unless they're all decoys. Right. I've got one out front because of an incident that I'll get to. And then I got one out back. Um, but the the back one was an innocent addition. Uh, sometimes Brooklyn likes to go out back and I don't know when he's going to want to come back in. I come back and I work here during the day. I want to know when he's back at the door and ready to come in. That was the main reason for adding that camera, right? Yeah. And then just one more point on Laura's recommendation about turning off the notifications about motion. You can also set zones. So it'll only let you know about motion when, let's say, somebody steps in front of your doorbell or somebody comes walking up your driveway. Like I prevent motion from being detected on the street because of Cars are going by every few minutes. I I don't want those alerts. And to that point, you know, those motion sensors are super sensitive. Like the um, my front porch light is on a motion sensor. And if a car zips by, that thing turns on. So yeah, that's a nice deterrent. Yeah, it's good and it's bad because, you know, the it just it's like a flash of light every time it goes on. So, yeah. So. I think easy to install home security systems have made people increasingly paranoid, like I said. Also, these neighborhood apps, and we've discussed this before, so we don't need to get into this a lot today. But um, the Nextdoor app, people are freaking paranoid on there. Ring Ring has a similar feature built into their app called Neighbors. You can disable certain categories, like let's say crime, if you don't want to hear about the crime happening nearby. But people, 
like to stay abreast of what's allegedly happening around the neighborhood. And I say allegedly because there's a lot of false alarms. Like, I see so many gunshots or fireworks posts in these groups. It's always fireworks, by the way. (laughs) It's always fireworks. Um, Not here. Can't count on that here. That's the South. That's that's (laughs) different. I mean, when I say always, I mean, like, probably 95%. But people just, like, hear these little booms and because of the media and a host of other reasons, people just assume people are firing off guns. But then I also want to spend a moment to talk about the media. This has always been a problem, of course, but the media love to highlight crime in an outsized way. One of the earliest journalism lines I heard was, if it bleeds, it leads. They love featuring the crime at the top of the news on the front of the paper. And I was trying to look into just how outsized their crime coverage is. And I found this right this uh, passage from an article in the Marshall Project from 2019, quote, in the American media, coverage of violent crime rose sharply just as the rate of violent crime actually began to fall. From 1990 to 1992, with the evening broadcast of the three major networks averaged fewer than 100 murder stories each year. By 1999, they were broadcasting an average of 511 murder stories per year, although the murder rate plummeted 40% during the 1990s. It has fallen further since to its lowest rate in 40 years, yet crime remains the number one topic on local television news. That tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. And I think we can see this reflected in the cultural obsession with true crime, right? And I'm one of those people. I'm very interested in true crime as a genre, but I think there are some for whom that can inspire increasing levels of paranoia. Well, and then you think about like, imagine what you hear about on like Fox News. What are they always talking about? Immigration. Crime rising because Joe Biden hasn't finished building Trump's wall, even though Trump said he did it like caravans coming to the border. Oh, yeah. There's live shots of the caravans coming in like it's 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 crazy. Fear mongering, fear mongering Mm -hmm. all day, every day. So this can, of course, cause people to believe more crime is a real problem in their area when it's not. And if you look at the Ralph Yarl story, and if people have to be concerned about the alleged rise in crime that the media likes to talk about, I found this from the Washington Post. The sheriff's office in the area where Ralph Yarl was shot reported that, according to the latest data, both violent and property offenses in the area actually dipped from 2017 to 2021. So he has doesn't have reason to believe crimes on the rise in the neighborhood and he should freak out because somebody accidentally turns into the wrong driveway and knocks on the wrong door. Yeah. What happened between those few years? We had a global pandemic. So in addition to people having these, um, you know, external stimulus like their ring systems, cable news next door, we were all trapped at home with nothing better to do than stare out our living room windows and be paranoid about what was happening outside. Because if you saw someone outside during that time, what were they doing? It's a pandemic. We're all supposed to be inside, right? So I think we're looking at kind of a confluence of events here of the social tendency towards paranoia already ramping up. And then the pandemic just put a nice big old fat cherry on top of 
all of that. Mm. Yeah. And to that point, what did the pandemic tell us? It taught us, it like conditioned us to keep our distance from other Mm -hmm. people. What so aggravates me about that is I feel like our generation was primed and ready for how to address unwanted visitors coming to your door. And it's that as a generation, we tend not to answer the door if we weren't expecting someone in the first place. If somebody comes and rings my bell or knocks on my door and I wasn't expecting them, if I look at my camera and I don't know who the hell this person is, I'm not answering the door. Yeah. I'm not engaging. Me neither. Yeah. I just assume that it's like, um, you know, Jehovah Witnesses or uh, Mormons trying to convert. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And most of the time it is. And you you just leave it alone. I've had this idea. I don't want to do it because I I don't want them to come back to my house and like burn it down. But every once in a while, while we get solicitors coming through the neighborhood and I got a ring doorbell camera, too, and you can speak to them through the camera. I've been tempted when they ring the doorbell to answer it through the phone and just scream. Just go. Just like freaking out or something. What if they call the police? (laughs) Well, yeah, they might think I'm getting killed in the house. or They might also think I'm pranking them and then we'll come back later and burn my house down. Right. But anyway, a couple other quick facts about crime in America and where things are trending. This is, again, from The Washington Post. Homicides did increase sharply in twenty and 2020 and 2021, but they were still below levels in the 80s and 90s. Since 2020, Republicans have grown sharply more concerned about crime in their communities, according to a survey. The violent crime rate decreased in 2022 compared to the previous year. And a Washington Post crime analysis of 80 major police department records found that reported violence across the country in 2022 was lower than the five-year average. So I think it's fair to say crime is not worse than ever. It has been going down. It's, you know, there's some bad news like the homicide stat, but it's not all bad. And most of it's actually pretty good in terms of where crime's been trending. Yeah, it is trending in the right direction. What's scary, though, are these types of isolated incidents involving firearms seemingly becoming more commonplace. So to circle back on neighborhood paranoia in our own neighborhoods, I mentioned I added a camera to the front of my house. And actually, an incident did happen maybe like four to six months ago at this point, where there was some sort of rager thing happening uh, next door outside of our neighborhood. And a lot of the kids got spooked away from this house and hopped the fence into our neighborhood. And the kids were swarming this neighborhood. Um, They brought people's cars in to like pick people up. And a lot of them were just hanging out in the neighborhood because they'd gotten kicked out of this house. Some of them actually jumped a fence into my neighbor's backyard. That was a particularly large issue. But since that incident, I decided to add a camera out front just in case something like that happens again. I can have my own record of things, at least what's happening in front of my own house. But this incident actually spooked a lot of people because it was a lot of kids. So we created in the neighborhood this neighborhood watch group through WhatsApp. We've had a community group on Facebook. Um, but we didn't have a group like dedicated to like a sort of neighborhood watch program. And since then, there's just been even more paranoia, like random kid around 23 ish with backpack on 
this street and that street. That's an actual message that came in a few days ago. I'm like, I look out the window here. I see that kid every fucking day. And then there was another instance where two guys were seen riding scooters in the neighborhood. Again, I go outside, unlike everybody else around here, and I fucking see these people with the scooters every day. They're taking their kids to school every day. It's just all this overblown paranoia. A car is parked on the street. Oh, I don't recognize that car. It's gotten to the point where my one of my neighbors who we love, she was like, you know, I got my baby shower coming up and I'm going to have to go into that group and tell everybody to expect cars parked out front because yeah, otherwise that's they're going to be Yeah, you shouldn't have to, but she felt like that because everybody around here is like boo, 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 boo. Just one more point real quick. I think I told this on After Dark about a year ago. A neighbor had threatened to pull a gun on a fellow neighbor. <laughs> like he said it on fucking Facebook in the private group. And it was over a parking situation. It's just ridiculous what goes on. I hope somebody got a screenshot of that. Oh, it, it was screenshotted into my brain. This guy's selling his house. <laughs> it's it's almost done. I'm like, woohoo! Can't wait for you to leave. Good. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm glad that you brought up the keeping track of cars that are in the neighborhood. Um, I formerly, um, until the last few months, had a really annoying neighbor. I think that I had chronicled some of this on the show. This person was just a complete busybody, like up in everybody's shit, thought that all of their neighbors needed to live a certain kind of way to appease them. Um, The first time I met this person, when I moved in, they let me know that uh, they believed that one of the neighbors in the next building over had an extra car parked in our parking lot because, because annoying neighbor was very familiar with everyone's cars and even said to me, like, you're you're the Prius, right? And I was like, Jesus Christ, I've only been here for two seconds. You already know what <laughs> car I drive. Um, so that that was kind of my introduction to this person. They would also complain to the HOA about all of the neighbors, which was kind of ironic because they rented their unit. So the HOA didn't give a shit about them. But they would Call and complain if there were items left in the breezeway. One time, our neighbor across the way got a new washing machine and had moved their old washing machine out into the breezeway just for like a day or so until they were able to get someone to come pick it up. And immediately, they called the HOA, started complaining about it. Our whole building got emails about how we needed to keep the breezeways clear. And I was like, fuck that. And I went out and looked up at their damn balcony because they were upstairs. And the balcony counts as a breezeway, like because I'm on the lower level. And they had a whole bunch of shit sitting up there in their common Mm. area. And I was like, fuck no. So I made Mark go upstairs and take a picture of it. And I sent it back to the HOA being like, please tell the upstairs resident that if this is a problem. They need to adhere to the rules as well. Um, so it's just that's the petty type of behavior I really appreciate. Well done. Yeah, like I just fucking can't. Like, do you not have nothing better to do with your life? No, seriously. The answer is no. Yeah, this person also called the police on every single one of us um, of of the immediate neighbors at some point. <laughs> While they were living here, um, I got the police called on me for 
Uh, my dog consistently barking on a day when my dog wasn't even here. Yeah, oh, Lord. Yikes. And very similar to what you're describing about things that you'll see on Nextdoor and like ring community groups, people pointing out cars they don't recognize. If I see one more fucking post being like black car, tinted windows, driving down the street at 3.05 p.m. Yep. And who gives a fuck? Yeah. Like, especially if you live on a public street. <laughs> Completely normal people have tinted windows. It's a big yeah. thing here in Vegas, too, because of the summer heat. Right. And yet people are just like, assume tinted windows, mass murderer coming for me. Hmm. Either that or it's an undercover cop. Did y'all ever mm-hmm. think of that? <laughs> Mm-hmm. I promise you that's some of it. I I have an older story, but I, I do think it's kind of funny. So when we were growing up, we used to live on a different street than we than we do now. On when my dad specifically used to live on a different street, but my parents always had joint custody. So my brother and I were over there a lot. And the neighborhood was full of kids. So we liked going over there because we would play with all the neighbor kids. But there was one neighbor who was he was an older man and it was just him and his wife and he was just like the the cul-de-sac grump you know uh, anytime yeah. some kids ball would get on his lawn or like even on the sidewalk in front of his house he would have a fit and i guess there was one incident where th- he just got tired and he snapped and i was not there i think i had like gone to the store with my stepmom and my dad was working and it was my two younger brothers and then the other this other kid that they were friends with who was a little bit older and he was supposed to be like watching them and the crazy neighbor said he was going to go get his shotgun and so then of course they got scared and so the kids ran and by the time we got back like they had scraped themselves up pretty bad cuz they were scared and they were like hopping fences to like try to get away from this guy. But the reason I bring this up is that years later when we were all grown up, it turned out that like he really only had reason to be paranoid of his wife because after he died, (laughs) presumably from esophageal cancer because he smokes like a chimney, the wife was so paranoid that she ended up burying him in their own backyard and building a... um a barbecue pit over where she buried him. And the reason the cops got involved is because one of the neighbors who I guess thought that they were fairly normal noticed that she hadn't seen the husband in a while and called the cops for a wellness check. And that's when they realized that something was fishy. And so then they had to like exhume the body and make sure that everything was kosher. Oh my God. That is some Dahmer shit. I know. (laughs) So we were right to be weary because we were always like, oh, that's like the crazy couple. But yeah. Wow. Oh man. Just love that the barbecue went over top of it too. I know. (laughs) I do think it's so ironic that like they were the ones that were always crying wolf and super paranoid. And then it turns out that like it ended up biting him in the ass in the end because (laughs) she was she was paranoid right exactly oh man that's great you could write a story or like uh a dramatic mini series about that pam Mm -hmm. i'm encouraging this 
<laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Just don't I would totally write it watch now it. because we're on strike. We're on strike. <laughs> oh, that's or, right. That's right. We can't over. cross the picket line. Right. Yeah. Don't cross the picket yeah. line. But you know, when that's over, <laughs> please do that. We are going to check in on our ring cameras, and we will be right back after these messages. Okay, no mass murder right in front of uh, my house, so uh, we can continue. Yeah, unfortunately, I think they've got a few of those in the great state of Texas. Um, But we wanted to talk about a different story in Texas that's been making some headlines. Um, So last week, the Texas State Senate passed a bill that would require every public school classroom in the state to prominently display the Ten Commandments. The author of the bill, State Senator Phil King, said the Ten Commandments are part of American heritage, and it's time to bring them back into the classroom. He also added that the U.S. Supreme Court cleared the way for his bill after it sided with Joe Kennedy, the high school football coach in Washington state who was fired for praying at football games. The Supreme Court ultimately ruled that Kennedy's um, that that was protected speech um, for Kennedy, and that's why they ruled in his favor. Wanted to point out some greater context here, too, um, that's not being as reported quite as much as the Ten Commandments story. Um, the state Senate in Texas has also passed bills that would allow schools to set aside time for students and staff to pray and read the Bible or other religious texts and give employees the right to pray or, quote, engage in religious speech on the job. All of these bills are headed to the state house for a vote, but if you want any preview of what might be to come here, I would tell you to look no further than um, Senate Bill 797, which ended up passing in both chambers and took effect in 2021. It requires all public schools to display in God we trust signs. So not shocking. News out of the Lone Star State, I don't think. (laughs) I have thoughts in particular about the bill that would set aside time for students and staff to pray and read the Bible or other religious texts in schools. Pretty sure that's already a thing you can do. You You just can't call it Bible time because you work in a fucking public school. Well, and something else exists called church if you want to read and pray Mm -hmm. and study the bible or any other religious text go to church or send your kids to a private school like a catholic school where they teach theology and that's a requirement and you have to go to mass as part of the curriculum and there's nighttime catholic schools i went to ccd once or twice a week yeah yeah there's also you know just a little thing called separation of church and state so yeah the Constitution says something about that, right, Pam? Uh, right. I, I mean, I thought so, but you know, it's been a while since I looked at my handy dandy copy. So maybe we're both in the wrong. Maybe. The thing that I find so funny about this, particularly the setting aside time to pray and read the Bible, Bill, um, it it's nonsense. It doesn't do anything. It literally adds nothing of substance. It's all performative. 
and all about trying to appeal to a certain base. I imagine that's white evangelical Republican voters in Texas. Um, It also just like completely negates the fact that Christianity is not the only religion and the Bible is not the only religious text. Um, I had a kid that I went to school with from like kindergarten through maybe freshman year of high school who did not who could not say the pledge of allegiance specifically because of the line um indivisible under god as yeah. a result of his religion and he kept having every year every because we were in class together like almost every year small town Every year he had to tell the teacher the same thing, like, I'm not allowed to say this because of my religion. And the teacher would not believe him. And mind you, this is like in a progressive area, right? And so then they would have to call his parents and ask if it was true that he needed a religious exemption for not being able to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah, but it's like you would think that after, you know, five years in the same public school, they'd be like, oh, that's the kid that doesn't say the Pledge of Allegiance because of religious reasons. Right. You would think that that would be... Like the word would get around. On file. Right. Yeah. Something like that. (laughs) It is very cultish the way that we bully students into saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, It feels very militant. I don't know. Do they still do that in schools? Because I I remember, I don't know if you guys do, I remember having to say that every every morning. Every morning. Yeah, I pledge, and we're all half asleep. I pledge to the flag. Right, and then in fourth grade, I had a teacher who must have been particularly patriotic because we would then have to sing a patriotic songs. So that was either you Love know like it. the Star Spangled Banner or uh, God Bless America <laughs> or something like that. Jesus Christ! I will say something that really threw me because I moved around a lot when I was a kid, and I spent. A few of my formative childhood years in Texas, Um, and no hate to Texas. Texas is actually a great place. I think that they're being held hostage right now. (laughs) Um, But what really threw me is Texas. The state of Texas has its own Pledge of Allegiance. So every morning we had to get up and say the U.S. Pledge, the National Pledge, But then we had to immediately go into the Texas pledge and we had to like pivot from looking at the American flag. We would have to turn and look at the Texas flag. Wow. And, you know, for the American Pledge of Allegiance, you put your hand on your heart for the Texas pledge. We had to like extend our arm out to the state flag of Texas. Oh, my God. Because Texas is a republic technically, right? Yeah. Is that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's Republic of California, I think, is still technically on our flag. But like, I never had to say a California Pledge of Allegiance. That's kind of wild. I got to ask, Laura, do you still have this pledge memorized? Oh, God. Um, No. (laughs) Okay. I think. Do you want me to look it up? No, I did a quick Google. It's pretty short. Do you remember it it being short? Okay. It is short. Yeah. Here. Oh, yeah. Here, I'm pasting it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I pledge allegiance to the Texas one state under God, one and indivisible. Yes. That was it. The site that I'm looking (laughs) at, it starts with honor the Texas flag. I pledge allegiance. Yeah, we never never said that. I think by honor the Texas flag, they meant face the Texas flag and extend your arm. (laughs) 
Oh. Right, you're 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 pledging your your arm to Texas. Right. I guess <laughs> I pledge my arm. Yeah, te- Texas is it. It's it's a it's different out there. We'll just <laughs> we'll say that. I have a, a great deal of affection for it, though. We thought though that in light of things that might be coming as a result of these bills that have passed the state Senate in Texas, um, we could focus on the Ten Commandments. And we wanted to think in particular about how we could help Texas educators be prepared to explain what the Ten Commandments mean to kindergartners. Because if these things are going to be posted in their classrooms, kids ask questions. And it's particularly important because there are some notable exceptions to these rules, depending on who you ask. So we thought we would briefly go through the Ten Commandments and try to offer an age-appropriate translation for your school-age children out there in Texas. And I think for this conversation, we have a special guest joining us. Is God on the line? Yes, it is yes, me. It is yes, me. I am God. 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 Oh my God! I'm so glad that you're here. Um, oh, I see what you oh, did there. Well, what the fuck do you want from me? I'm busy <laughs> answering <laughs> prayers. Prayers. <laughs> yeah, God's mailbag <laughs> is very full these days. <laughs> uh, God, could you kick us off by um, reminding us what is the first commandment? Thou shalt Thou have shalt no have other no gods other before gods me. So I'm talking to the kids now. Listen, kids, you can't love Taylor Swift more than God. <laughs> Little Casey, if you love Taylor Swift more than God, you're going straight to hell. However, exception, your dad treating Donald Trump like God, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that about sums it up. I was going to say, me and little Casey got to go to the confession booth later. (laughs) Are you ready for the next one? I am ready. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. All right, kiddos. Don't worship things like toys or games in the same way you worship God. Unless that material thing is a gun. Second Amendment. Second commandment, eh, what's the difference? <laughs> I have to give I have to give my beloved Mark credit for that one. He was super helpful in piecing this together because I did not grow up in a religious context, but he did. <laughs> and we Aww. had a very long conversation today about the difference between the first and the second commandment because they seem pretty fucking similar, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah. And I even went to chat GPT to get some clarification on the difference between the first and the second commandment. Um, That's something that we can uh, throw into the Discord chat. Okay. All right, God, what's number three? Thou shalt shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Yeah, all right, all right, kids. Every adult in your life does this, but just remember it's bad and you shouldn't do it. Okay. All right. That one's straightforward. Yep. That was easy. (laughs) No 
Number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. All right, this is another quick and easy one. Sundays are for church and football, but not Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Good one. Number five, honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. You know, we really can't argue with this one. Hopefully everyone's parents live a long time, unless they really suck. Some people's parents suck. Thou shalt not kill. So God is completely right here, kids. This one is super duper important. But having guns is more important. So we might not be able to guarantee this one. Don't forget, y'all. Guns over people. That's real freedom. Number seven. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Okay, this is a tough one to cover with the little kids. So I would just say sometimes mommies and daddies just can't help but do something so bad because it feels so good. And they shouldn't do it, but they do anyway. But you won't get in trouble for this one if you have enough money and power. Sometimes mommy and daddy are very horny and don't wish to be with mommy or daddy and have downloaded an app called Grindr. Okay. Number eight. Thou shalt not steal. This one's pretty easy. People shouldn't take what isn't theirs. Unless... The GOP decides they don't like some of the people in your community, then they can find ways to make sure their votes don't count. Number nine, nine, thou shalt not bear false false witness witness against against thy neighbor. neighbor. All right, kids, this is very important. This one means don't lie. Unless your neighbor wants to accuse your mom of having an abortion with no proof. So that he can get $10,000. Then you could lie. Number number 10. Last but not least. Thou shalt not covet. You should appreciate what you have. And don't be jealous of what your neighbors have. But sometimes if you're special enough, it's okay to do this. Like if your whole state is an icebox and you wish you were somewhere sunny and warm... Like Cancun, for example, you can be jealous of that. And you can even go there and leave your whole state to freeze. (laughs) God, would you add anything to this synopsis of the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt listen to millennial. That's commandment number 11. Awesome. Well, we're going to have a whole bunch of new... um, subscribers i think the average age will be you know seven. Oh shit okay <laughs> cool that's what you want right that's, that's your you key right? demo sure god all right all right i'm out right. jesus I'm is out. being a real jesus bitch and i gotta go take care of him see you later see you later see you later wow feels like i'm right back in ccd i know god god was like low-key putting jesus on blast there <laughs> I hear that happens a lot. Yeah. Daddy issues, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. 
So hopefully this is helpful to all the educators in Texas and to anyone else. We don't have any problems with the Ten Commandments here on the show. If you want to display them in your private residence, your private restaurant, whatever, go for it. But it doesn't have any place in a public school classroom. Agreed. And I can't wait to hear stories about kindergartners being like, Mommy, what's adultery? (laughs) That's when mommy and daddy love each other very much. However, they happen to love somebody on the side. And she's got a nice juicy ass and daddy can't resist. Daddy just can't say no. (laughs) Mm -mm. So I wanted to talk this week about the practice of doxing, which is not necessarily anything new on the internet, but it has been on the rise over the course of the last few years. And I wanted to talk about this in the context of a TikTok video that recently went super viral because the internet is really of two minds here with regards to how they're opinionating one way or the other. So this all started with one user named Jackie LaBonita who posted a TikTok at the Astros baseball game. And the caption on this video read, watch my confidence disappear after these random girls make fun of me for taking pics. And in the video, you can see as it progresses that Jackie is seen posing for pics at the Astros baseball game, but she soon grows increasingly uncomfortable when she realizes that the two women that are sitting behind her who have since been identified as Lizarelli Madrigal and Alondra Poulet are starting to mock her. Uh, they begin whispering rude comments. At one point, they even flip off the camera. So it's in part photo bombing, but maybe taken to a little bit too much of an extreme. So after La Bonita decides to post this video, it quickly goes viral. And it has since amassed over 45 million views. That was in the first five days. It's probably been watched way more than that because it very quickly trickled over from TikTok to um, Facebook and Instagram. I even saw it on Twitter specifically because Cardi B waited on this. So the reach was like insane for this video. And because of this, it wasn't long before the super sleuths of the internet, specifically on TikTok, found out everything about Madrigal and Poulet from their home addresses and names of uh, significant family members to other social media handles the girls had and even employer details. This is basically what the internet does best whenever they feel someone's been scorned. So I guess we shouldn't be surprised. But since then, both of the women in the background of this video have come out and put out not one but two apologies in which they detail the extent to which they have been essentially docked. And they also repeatedly ask the public to stop making them feel afraid for their own safety and the safety of their family members. But one thing that's important to take note of with this specifically is that even though they've detailed, you know, all of the threats that they've gotten, Because the court of opinion has already spoken, most people that have already decided that, you know, they're the scum of the earth have been claiming that the apologies feel hollow and that it doesn't really solve the issue at hand. So. Uh, First of all, do you two believe Jackie, the person who was filming the two people behind her? Because. I think it's also worth asking, 
did she make up that they were making fun of her just to get attention potentially online? Because if you watch the video, it is a very heavily edited video, and she's making several leaps. I believe the middle finger thing to be legit. It does seem like those two girls were giving her camera and her husband filming them two the middle finger. But other things like maybe comments they were making or that moment where they were caught laughing, she alleges it was at her, Jackie. I don't I don't know if I'm buying the full story. I remember yeah, that, I think that's part of what people are arguing for sure mm-hmm. is that there's definitely people on that side as well. So, yeah. When I first saw this cuz it just came up in my for you page by happenstance, <laughs> um I thought it was fake. Yeah. I thought it was staged. It it had that feel about it and that's not to say that it was. I think at this point we know it wasn't um because it seems like uh, these two women are going through some online hell right now as a result of this video. But I agree the the editing at some points, I think, could be characterized as convenient editing. Not to say that there wasn't harassment or like bullying happening because it seemed like that was the case. Haven't we all been in a situation out in a public place, though, where somebody was either making fun of us or we saw somebody making fun of somebody else? And what really makes this so escalated is just the introduction of, you know, having phones with cameras on them where you can catch this happening. Normally, when that kind of thing happens without the existence of technology to prove that it happened, people move on. They they don't tend to dwell on it as much, or at least I didn't. Yeah. And you add in TikTok culture and TikTok editing. Yeah. And the name of the game is make the video as short as possible, as snappy as possible. Don't offer any context because there's no time for that. And then, of course, we as viewers of this video on TikTok, it's all about the swipe too, right? You're just passing through. You're passing judgment, then pass swiping up. It's just like a vicious combo of elements at play. Yeah, I, I totally agree because I think that one of the the points that I saw someone make online was that it wasn't right necessarily for them to behave the way they did in the background of this video, right? Because at the end of the day, like her taking photos is not really hurting anybody. Like, even if you think that's cringe, it's, you know, it's her photos. It doesn't really matter. But at the same time, she had to have known that the internet would be sympathetic to seeing you know, her, like the reactions of the people behind her, because if not, then she wouldn't have posted the video. And so it is kind of one of those situations where you kind of have to weigh out if it's a two rights don't make a wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we've since seen La Bonita backtrack, because it has escalated probably a little too far. She recently put out a video over the weekend where she basically said that she had spoken with the two women and that they've made peace with everything. And she said that she doesn't condone the hatred and she wants it to stop. So I think that is a a step in the right direction for sure. But yeah. 
And in her defense, she didn't know the video was going to go viral. Looking through her feed, it looks like she had a pretty good following on Mm -hmm. TikTok because I think she does makeup videos. Um, So I guess she could have assumed that putting something together like this possibly could go viral. But on the other hand, even if you do have a following, you never know what's going to blow up. Who would have guessed that podcasts are talking about this and other social media people on other social media apps are talking about this? I also just have to say, like, I think Laura was getting at this a couple of minutes ago. Sometimes somebody gives you the finger. Sometimes somebody is filming you accidentally, which I think easily could have been assumed here because La Benita, Jackie La Benita is in the video the whole time. It's not like um, Hubby was filming the two girls three, four rows behind him exclusively. And that's what happens at a fucking baseball stadium or a concert. Everybody's packed together in the stadium type seating. And we've all been there, I think. Somebody a couple rows in front of you is taking a selfie and you happen to appear. What do you do sometimes? I will normally make a goofy face. Others might playfully give the finger. It like if we were to believe that this whole thing actually happened and none of this was planned, then I think Jackie shouldn't have jumped to conclusions about what the people were doing three, four rows behind her. Yeah, I think I don't know. I I feel like if I had a TikTok following of that size and I felt really compelled to put the video up as like a learning opportunity about the negative effects that even very casual bullying in in that sense can have on people, I probably would have blurred the girls' faces out. I was thinking the mm. same thing. Because mm. what purpose is there for putting their faces out there? Mm-hmm. What was your intention that- behind doing that? We've seen that conversation too um, pop up on Twitter in the past where, you know, especially if, if you're talking about a celebrity, right, a celebrity clapping back at a hater, they kind of know that that person is going to get an onslaught of hate from the loyal followers that they have. I know that um, in recent years, the like the courteous practice is to at least like blur out the you know, the person's handle to attempt not to send an onslaught of of hate their way. And I guess you can make a case over f- for whether or not that person deserves the courtesy. But like, you have to do the right thing at the end of the day, right? Because you have to you have to live with the choice that you made to put that person on blast. Yeah. So it's tricky for sure. And I, I'm sure it is hard to like be the bigger person sometimes when you feel like you've been scorned. But you know, to Laura's point, like it, it, you do have a responsibility once your platform gets to a certain size to to use that platform responsibly. And the responsible thing would have been to blur out the faces. Yeah. Lead by and example. If she truly feels scorned, which is fine if she believes that, just gossip with your friends about it. Why do you have to turn it into an Internet spectacle? Just show them the raw video. Show your friends and family the raw video and say, can you believe this shit? That's what we would do. <laughs> 
Or or if yeah, something we like that. We would just talk about it on here. It's like, so you guys will never believe what happened to me I when I went to get that. coffee with Andrew. We, we wouldn't put up pictures <laughs> and be like, look at this bitch. Look no. at this bitch. <laughs> never. How do we feel about the practice of doxing overall because i know on one hand like when somebody does something truly heinous it can feel really good to see justice get served you know but like has it gone too far in the state that it's in now with people having their lives ruined for something that could be considered to be like a a, more like a petty crime yeah yeah and that's the thing this is a petty crime it's it's nothing actually serious it'd be one thing if these these two girls threw a hammer at her head or something like that they're giving the finger andrew (laughs) well i'm just thinking what could they throw from behind that'll like actually hurt her physically Mm -hmm. like if they dumped a a cup of beer on her head for example like i would have been like yeah put them on blast like yes that's messed up but a finger which seems to be the worst of it i i don't i know yeah. <laughs> That's not worth attacking somebody online and definitely not doxing these two. I feel really bad for these girls as well. And again, uh, assuming that all this is legitimate and this wasn't some grand scheme to try and make something blow up, their videos were pretty bad. Um, first of all, they shouldn't have had to defend themselves. But also they were like, we were in our, uh, th- um, they were responding to questions that they had received. And they said, people said, why can't you just move? And the two girls were like, we were in our assigned seats. Where were we supposed to go? If you look at this video, there's plenty of open seats around them. They could have moved. Baseball stadiums frequently have plenty of open seats. And then they said giving the middle finger was inappropriate. No. Yeah. I mean, I guess you have to say that, but no. (laughs) I mean, if I'm going to be really honest about what this seems like, it seems like those two girls were being dicks. And um, La Bonita was, you know, I, I think it's justifiable and it's fine for her to have an emotional reaction to that. I think anybody would. But I think she took it too far. Yeah. I think that's I what we're say, looking at. I will say also, like, kind of shitty of the photographer not to call out the bad behavior because I know it's hard to stick up for yourself. But, like, if I was taking pictures of one of you two at the baseball game and someone was being an asshole, I'd be like, hey... Like, you got to cut that out because what's the point? Like, there's no need to be a, yeah. a dick, you know? But Yeah, it's like you have the opportunity to either address the issue in the moment and cut it off or you just choose to ignore it or you take it and say, hey, this might blow up on TikTok. <laughs> so I'm going to post mm-hmm. it on there. It's like which of those options was actually going to result in something productive. Yeah. It wasn't the TikTok one. I know that one of you also brought up just the the fact that people accidentally get filmed all the time in crowded spaces. But as a little bit of a sidebar, I also wanted to touch on just the practice of filming others without their consent, because this also is a really hot button issue on the internet right now. Uh, Have you all noticed an uptick in strangers getting filmed specifically for a laugh? Because I've seen this happen a lot in the context of, um, you know, the gym when somebody might not be as in shape, but then also specifically in a concert space, people getting filmed because the, the person behind the camera thinks that they're being particularly cringe when all they're doing is like enjoying 
the artist they went to see. Yeah. You know, this one is kind of tough for me because it depends on what the person filming is thinking at the time. Are they filming because they think it's cringe? Are they filming because they think it's incredibly sweet? Or they're just really impressed by the fan that they're filming and they want to capture the moment. I'll give you a good example. Uh, I don't know if you two have heard this before. I really like Bruce Springsteen. And I was at a concert. uh, (laughs) uh, Spring something. And I went to a concert in, uh, it was Seattle or Portland just a couple months ago. And Bruce is uh, coming through the audience and he signs an old man's arm. This old man starts breaking down crying. And I am like so moved by this. I pull out my camera to start taking pictures. Maybe you're assuming I'm just so embarrassed for this guy that he's crying over this that I'm filming it. I'm going to go make fun of him on TikTok. That actually isn't what was happening. I was really touched by how emotional he was. He was he was like gone the rest of the concert. He was just like on another planet. Some might think that's cringe. Some might think that's really sweet. And that's why they're filming. It's going to be one of those two. Yeah. You can't know what somebody's intention was. Um, And I think, too, sometimes you might be in a space like that and somebody just might be doing something funny. You Mm -hmm. might just see something and think like, oh, that's kind of funny. It made me chuckle, whatever. And you might snap a quick picture of it with no intention of ever sharing it. I've definitely done that before. And it wasn't with the intention of saying, oh, my God, I can't wait to go home and put this on the Internet so that me and my Internet friends can laugh about this. It's just like, oh, that person like was wearing a funny shirt or like just so happened when I took this picture inadvertently, their face is in the frame and they have a really funny expression on their face. But, yeah. like, I'm not going to go home and upload it to Reddit and be like, look at this fucking idiot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I think that, that that's a really good distinction because, I mean, I've definitely taken a sneaky picture and then just sent it to, like, one friend, you know, because it's a reference. But you're right. right there's a difference between doing that and and posting it on Reddit or somewhere where you know that, you know, the Internet is going to take it and run with it and perhaps ridicule that person. Yeah. That said, we're probably all in agreement that if you can ask somebody permission, you probably you should. should. Yeah. yeah. Like I was at a winery over the weekend and I wanted to take a picture of the guy pouring my glass of wine because it was a tasting session. So I said, can I take your picture? And he was like, yeah, because I otherwise I would have had his my camera three feet in front of his face. And that's fucking weird. So he's like, yeah, really sure. That's nice then, that you asked. Yeah. And then he posed, too. So I got him looking into the camera as he's pouring the wine. And my friend's like, oh, wait, he has to do it again as a way to get him to pour a taller glass of wine. Like <laughs> it just it can actually create a good moment, too. So that's that is really considered because I know it's like I think any time that you're in like a a service setting too, the um, most people will not ask just because. I don't know. I, I just think that the assumption is that they're allowed, but it is very nice yeah. that you that you asked, especially because you wanted to get his face in the shot and not just like right. maybe, like from the nose down or just his yeah. hands. So. Yeah. And I'm not perfect, but I don't know. In, in that moment, it just struck me like I should ask him first before I'm in full yeah. tourist mode taking a picture of this glass being poured. Yeah, that was the right so. thing to do. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. I brought it up for uh, <laughs> some pats on the back. So I'm glad that all worked out. <laughs> yeah. 
That's okay. We haven't forgotten about the uh, shovel remark from a few episodes ago, so. Oh, oh, yes. Luckily, I uh, (laughs) am not revealing that shovel just yet. Well, I guess the TLDR here is that you should, you know, not be a jerk when you're behaving out in public, but also online because actions have consequences. Yeah, the doxing was way too far. And yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if we like come back from that. I feel like doxing is really like it really took off during the pandemic, but I I don't know if there's like a way back from how it is now. Like, do you guys think there's a way back from that? It's hard. I mean, that even goes all the way back to Gamergate, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. We have Candace Owens to thank for a good deal of that. But uh, the doxing has led to more serious things. Like once somebody's been doxed and their personal information is out there, people are getting swatted. You know, people are calling in tips to to the police and SWAT teams are descending on people's homes who literally aren't doing anything. So, you know, just realizing how dangerous it can be for somebody if you reveal their you know, personally identifying information. I know it's something we talked about a few episodes ago with Christy. We were chatting about cybersecurity. In the moment, it may feel good. You may feel vindicated. Um, but it can lead to something a lot more serious. I mean, it can be deadly depending on the circumstance. So people just need to stop and think twice. But unfortunately, once the court of public opinion rules, that's it. I mean, there's there's basically no coming back. There could be people like us and our listeners who are like, you know what? No, I'm not going to participate in that. But this wider swath of the Internet, these these wider groups on the Internet are just going to attack. And I think it comes down to social media platforms like TikTok. I mean, maybe TikTok should have taken this video down. I think they bear some responsibility here, too, because I don't it just seems extreme at, once you start seeing the backlash at these two girls, you should seriously or deprioritize this video in feeds as they often do with like fake news. Yeah. Maybe they can start that. Maybe they can work out a change to the algorithm where if they do detect character defamation, um, then they can start downranking videos. Or maybe more people need mm-hmm. to report these types of videos. I think if I saw this, maybe I would. I don't know. I I don't want to pretend like I would have been an angel, but I more pe- maybe that's the one learning lesson here. More people just got to report concerning videos if you don't believe yeah. the full story. And what's a good point? That's like a group recommendation for today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that concludes our main topics for today. And coming up in After Dark, which is exclusively available to our OTP patrons and higher, as well as Apple Podcast subscribers, we're going to talk about life pro tips as inspired by recent discussions we had at a meeting and uh, some tips we've been reading on the internet. So that'll be available at patreon.com slash millennial or the subscription part of uh, the podcast on Apple Podcasts. We do prefer that you pledge on Patreon, but if you'd prefer to uh, pay through Apple Podcasts, that subscribe button is available. Just tap into the show through the Apple Podcasts app. And of course, that's just the beginning of what you get. You, In addition to weekly After Dark installments, you can also get ad-free millennial 
You can uh, hang out with us in our virtual recording studio every Tuesday evening. Uh, you get access to our exclusive Discord. And we have this new executive producer tier where you get inside access to two of our planning meetings each month. Most of these benefits you get through Patreon exclusively, but ad-free millennial and after dark, you can also get through Apple Podcasts. No matter how you support us, we greatly appreciate you. We would not be doing the show without you. So time for some recommendations. Laura, you just mentioned we had a cybersecurity discussion a couple weeks ago with Christy. And just a little update on that front. I think on the show, we mentioned Google Authenticator, which allows you to set up two-factor authentication on various internet accounts. The problem with it was if you forgot to transfer that to your new phone, you were shit out of luck. So it was a little scary and dangerous to use if, if you switch phones every so often. But now they just released an update. Maybe they heard the episode. And Google Authenticator now syncs with your Google account. It's not dependent on your phone. This does mean it's a little less secure, but just make sure your Google account is secure and, and you should be in good shape. But that eliminates one of my biggest issues with it because I was afraid I would I would get a new phone without transferring Google Authenticator to the new phone. And now you don't have to worry about that. That's awesome. My recommendation is something that was actually kind of inspired by Pam, um, combined with the fact that I made a revelation in the last week. So Pam frequently recommends Supergoop um, as a sunscreen brand. It's really, really good. Can be a little pricey. Um, I recently learned that Supergoop is FSA eligible, meaning that if you have a flexible spending account through your work, you can use the funds in your FSA to pay for Supergoop. Um, generally, sunscreen is an FSA eligible item. I didn't imagine that such a high-end sunscreen would be covered <laughs> by FSA funds, but you can indeed use it for that. So if you wanted to try out Supergoop um, and you have some extra dollars in your FSA, uh, definitely check that out. I saw the look on Andrew's face being like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, no. I was actually reading Pam's recommendation and I was very confused okay. for a moment. Oh, I'll explain I that see. in a second. I, I see why you're confused, I think. <laughs> um, that is very exciting news, Laura. And I hope that anybody that it does have FSA takes advantage of that if you've been wanting to try Supergoop because I, I am a fan. I know that you are too. I wanted to recommend Jack Black Intense Therapy Lip Balm. No relation to Jack Black, the actor. That's what I was like wondering. My, my favorite uh, lip balm. I have one everywhere. Like I have one right here in front of me at my desk. I have one in my purse. I like keep one in my car. Technically, it is um, branded as a men's product, but like, who cares about that? Basically, yeah, it's unisex. Who gives a shit? Yeah, exactly. It does have some SPF to tie it all into Laura's recommendation, SPF 25, which is nice because your lips need protection too. But yeah, I just think that it's super comfy and it's like one of the only things that, that works on my lips whenever my lips do get chapped. And it works really well over lipstick if you're a lipstick person too. They have a bunch of different flavors, but my favorite is the natural mint. Um, so yeah, I think it's like $9 a tube under 10 for sure. And 
over the holidays, they usually sell them in a bundle as well. So not super expensive. You won't break the bank. Um, there's no menthol in it either. So you don't have to worry about like overly drying your lips when you're applying. So yeah, if you're looking for a nice lip balm to add to your repertoire, I would recommend checking that one out. Awesome. A couple more reminders before we wrap up. Make sure you're following the show in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And we would appreciate a review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify, a five-star review if you're enjoying the show. You can write to us by emailing millennialshow at gmail.com or you can use the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com and follow us on social media. We're Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. That's where you can see the photo of Pam and I, if you're curious. And over on TikTok, we are Millennial Pod. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, God, for coming in today. I'm Andrew, not God. Don't kill me. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.